No Junk Mail presents The Trading Post, Chapter 10, read to you by the author James R. Von Felt. Day 7. We were refreshed when we woke up. The first thing Looney did was check the trout line. He had caught a big, ugly fish. Philip called it a gar. We got the cook fire started, finished off some more deer meat, and roasted the gar. After we ate, Enu waded out into the lake and filled the pot with water. He brought the pot back and put it on the cook fire. When the water got hot, he treated Daryl and Alex's wounds. That's all we had. While Enu was doing that, Billy, Philip, and I were checking the paddles. Then Philip and I pushed the outrigger into the water. We pushed it just far enough so we could get on it and start paddling. A light breeze was blowing against us. In other words, if we didn't paddle, we'd eventually float back to shore. Philip was on the front end and I was in the back. At first it was fun. The idea was to get out in the lake far enough so we could see the trading post. We made good time going out into the lake, but after a while paddling got to be hard work. Lake Merwin is a big lake, and we couldn't see the other side. The mists and the water weren't bothering us too much, and the rowing was keeping us warm enough, except for our legs and feet, which were in the water. Once in a while, I rubbed sore spots on my inner legs that I had from straddling the log and rowing. About an hour and a half later, we were still rowing. We were making slow headway once we had gotten out into the lake a ways and began hitting waves head on. Finally, we turned around and looked back at the shore. We could see for a long ways in both directions, but couldn't see the trading post. We decided to go back to shore. Returning to shore was a lot easier and faster because the wind was behind us pushing. It was still morning when we got back to shore, and we saw that Enu, Looney, and Billy had started putting the raft together. They had gotten the logs we had marked the day before. They also collected some driftwood, and they had lined them up right at the shore. They had poles to hold the logs together, too. It looked like we were soon going to have a raft to carry everybody and the furs to the trading post. It's just that we didn't know which way we had to go to get there, east or west. We talked about that as we worked on the raft. We took the outrigger apart and used the ropes, logs, and poles. The big log from the outrigger was used as an outside log on the raft. Most of the other logs were considerably smaller. We began tying them together with the rope from the backpack, but the rope ran out, so we had to make bark strip rope. That job takes work, but we had a lot of workers, and it didn't seem to take that long. You start making bark strip rope by finding straight four-inch saplings, about 14 feet tall or taller. Looney chopped them down with the sword, and we cut strips of bark with our knives about a half inch wide and as long as we could make them. Once you get a strip started, it peels right off. Next, you braid three strips together. After you braid about two feet of bark strip rope, you tie it to a small tree or stake 
and keep braiding and pulling it tight as you go till you make 25 feet or so. It's best to stretch the new bark rope and let it dry in the sun a day or two, but we were in a hurry. The raft was done by midday. It was made of an assortment of 15 driftwood and log pieces, each one about 8 to 14 inches wide and about 10 to 12 feet long. The rope and bark strip rope was holding them together. We also made four more paddles just in case some broke down. When the raft was done, we ate more fish and strips of deer meat than discussed our current situation. Inu thought we could get to the trading post before dark if we started now and paddled hard. He was convinced that the trading post was west of where we were. We accepted his word. After all, he'd been there many times. The plan was to paddle our raft out into the lake about a thousand feet or so, turn west, then paddle till we got to the trading post. The wind would be fighting us till we turn west, but then it ought to be helping a little bit. Enu dressed Alex and Daryl's wounds again. This time, he put salt in the hot water. It hurt when he used the hot salt water on their wounds. They were not doing well, and they were hurting. Their wounds were red and swollen, but we couldn't see any pus. Alex's puncture wounds were probably infected. We couldn't tell how deep the claws had gone in, so it was hard to tell how bad it was getting. In addition, Daryl's shoulder needed stitches. We tied his bandage tightly across his shoulder to try to close the wound and told him not to move around. He didn't mention his wrist, but I bet it still hurt. Even though they were wounded, Alex and Daryl did their part by watching our backs as we worked. We loaded and tied down the furs, extra paddles, rifle, and sword onto the raft. With everyone helping, we did that quickly. The moment of truth came when everybody got on the raft. Enu and I were the last to climb aboard. We pushed the raft into the lake as far as we could, then climbed on. The raft floated. It was about three inches above the water. Not much for clearance. We needed more logs, but we were not planning on being on the raft for long. We were quite a crew. The furs, still lashed in their back frames, were tied down in the middle of the raft. The backpack was tied to the top of the pile. Inu's rifle and the sword were tied to one side of the stack of furs. Philip had the pistol in the holster around his waist. Daryl was in front of the raft with his back against the furs. Enu and Billy were paddling on the right side of the raft. Philip and I were paddling on the left. Looney sat on top of the pile of furs with extra paddles and the spears. He planned to change places with one of us paddlers when we got tired. We made slow headway out into the lake against the light breeze. We had to stay away from shore, or the wind would blow us back onto land, and we'd have to start all over again. We estimated that the lake was about seven miles across at that point. We couldn't see the other shore. I think we set out about four or five in the afternoon. If that was right, then we had about three or four hours of daylight left. 
We had to make it to the trading post before dark because landing on a strange beach at night could be dangerous. We were working hard, but the going was slow. If we paddled too fast, the front of the raft tipped down till it was covered by an inch of water, and that slowed us down. Once we turned west, we made better time, but we still couldn't see the trading post. Then we were going crosswind and had to keep the front of the raft pointed a little upwind or we'd be blown back to shore. The wind was still light, but we could feel the effect on the raft. It had been raining slightly on and off all day long, and after about an hour of paddling, it left up. The wind also died down almost to nothing, and that really helped. We were making better time now. Some of the paddles broke down. We thought they may have been the ones we made for the outrigger, so we changed them out and kept going. Blisters formed on our hands from paddling and on our knees from kneeling on the raft. Our arms and shoulders ached. We changed position from time to time, and that helped a little. It also helped when Looney took my place paddling for a while. Time was passing. The sky was getting dark, and we still had not sighted the trading post. As we paddled, we talked about home, but carefully watched the shore, as every point was a possible place for the trading post. Our disappointment was building as we passed each point and realized we had to keep going, but we didn't talk about it. It was way after dinner time. And it was getting dark when we noticed a change in the direction of the wind. The temperature had changed, too. The wind had turned warmer and was coming from the south, from the shore where we had left. It was pushing us out into the lake. We had about a half hour of dim light left. Inu sensed the change first and said something to Philip. We changed course heading toward shore, paddling as hard as we could. There was a new urgency. We were going about as fast as we could go with the front of the raft ducking underwater off and on. Seemed to me that the harder we paddled, the more the wind blew. Soon, low black clouds rolled overhead in the dark sky. They were moving fast. We were paddling furiously and getting closer to shore inch by inch. We were still 700 feet or so from shore, but moving slowly in the right direction. As the offshore wind blew against us, the waves driven by the wind started kicking up. It wasn't bad at first, but we could feel the waves stopping us when they hit. Daryl moved to the back of the raft, and that helped a little. But then the back of the raft was below water. Then a very strong gust of wind hit us. We knew we were in trouble. We were still a long way from shore, and we weren't making any headway. The pile of furs was catching the wind like a sail. We paddled and paddled till we couldn't paddle anymore. Finally, we gave up and let the wind blow the raft away from the south shore. We were on our way to the other side of the lake. We raised our paddles and used them for sails. The sky got darker and darker with the storm clouds rolling by us. We were moving faster, but where were we going? How would we ever get to the trading post once we were on the wrong side of the lake? Soon daylight was gone, 
and it was dark, very dark. Then the storm hit, thunder rolled, and lightning flashed, lightning up the sky. The wind blew hard and the rain pelted us. We gave up trying to keep the raft on a straight course. The raft turned, pitched, and rolled with every wave. We were being pushed by the wind and rain into the dark night. The further we went into the lake, the higher the waves got. The raft was starting to feel like a bucking bronco. We had to hold on tighter. We'd get thrown off. We protected Daryl and Alex with our bodies. They couldn't hold on well. The waves grew higher and higher. Some looked like they were four feet over our heads as they came at us. The waves crashed down on us and shoved us through the water. Or they picked us up and tried to flip us over. We had no idea where we were or where we were going. Philip fell off the raft once. I grabbed him as he floated by me. He climbed back on board, then shimmied up to the front. We turned and turned in the water. It was hard to know which was the front or back of the raft. The rain stung us with the force of the wind behind it. We lost track of time. The storm seemed to go on forever. When the lightning flashed, we could see low clouds racing past us. With a big bang of thunder, the darkness swallowed us up. Then another wave hit. The wind was howling. Rain came in sheets. Waves were getting bigger and bigger. Daryl and Alex laid close together at the base of the firs. They were hanging on for all they were worth. Billy and I covered them and hold them down as best we could. I held on to one of the poles that kept the raft logs together. We must have been at the high point of the storm. It seemed like we had been in the storm for hours. It may have been early morning for all we knew. The lightning was ferocious. The waves and thunder roared so loud we had to yell at each other to hear anything. Right then, when the lightning struck close by, I thought I saw trees ahead of us. I yelled at Philip, trees! He just shook his head. He was looking closely at the logs, poles, and lashings. They were coming loose. The regular ropes were holding, but the bark strip ropes were breaking and coming unraveled. As the raft rose up on a wave, we could see gaps between the logs. Then, when we rolled down the side of the wave or turned, the logs knocked back together and water flooded over us. The raft was breaking up. Philip ordered us to get over to the side tied by the rope. We had to help Daryl and Alex. The raft was spinning faster and the waves seemed like they were hitting us from all directions. We almost flipped over again, but we were able to move our weight quick enough to keep it from flipping. The raft was bucking and pulling apart in the pitch-black night. When another bark strip rope broke on the far side of the raft, it made a loud snapping sound, and two logs disappeared. Billy and Enu had been on that side. Where were they? When lightning struck again for an instant, we could see them hanging onto the logs. They were about 20 feet from us, floating away fast. Then it was totally dark again. We heard Billy shout. We yelled to Billy and Enu to swim to us. The next flash of lightning showed him where the raft was, but it wouldn't be there for long. Billy is a good swimmer and he was motivated. 
When Billy made it to the raft, we almost lost him because a huge raft hit us at the same time. It shoved us away from him and sank him under the water. After a terrifying second, he popped up again, swimming ferociously to us. We grabbed his hand and pulled him on board. Then we all hung on with all our might as the next wave hit. Philip, Looney, Billy, and I held the raft together by sheer willpower and whatever strength we had left. I have no idea how Alex and Daryl stayed on the raft. The regular ropes were still holding parts of the raft front together. They had not broken, but some parts of the bark strip ropes were holding too. But with each wave, the logs were separating further and further, putting terrible strain on us and the ropes. How long we hung on, I don't know. My hands were raw from pulling on the bark strip rope and poles. The furs were still in place. Daryl and Alex clung to them. However, the logs under us kept threatening to come apart. Raft break soon. Grab log, Philip yelled. Each of us held on to a log for dear life. Philip then yelled to me that if Daryl fell off his log, he and I would get him and swim to shore. If Alex fell off his log, Billy and Looney would help him. That didn't sound good to me because the waves were so high and we didn't know how far it was to shore. I also had my doubts as to whether Daryl or Alex could hold on much longer. Worst of all... We had not seen or heard Inu for a long time now. Just as things were looking the bleakest and all of us were exhausted and wondering if we could hold on, we felt a bump. The raft had hit something. Bump. There it was again. The front edge of the raft hit a sandbar. The whole raft twisted and pivoted as another wave hit the back and moved it past the sandbar. Billy was jolted off the poles he was hanging on to, but he fell right down on them again. Grabbing on as tight as he could, Billy peered into the distance and yelled, Sure! That gave us all more energy. Maybe, just maybe, all was not lost. We continued to fight to stay on the raft. The winds howled. The rain and waves pelted us. We fought to keep the raft together and to stay on it as we slowly made our way towards land. We were too tired to say anything. We just kept on keeping on. Story continued on Chapter 11.